0: What's up, Gator Country? Hey, man, Andrew Spivey, back with Nick. And, Nick, uh, Gators uh, pull out 52-17 and pulled out very early in the game. And uh, as the uh, first play uh, on offense for the Gators was a 75-yard uh, strike to Justin Shorter for six. And uh, Gators offense just continued to uh, to score and score a lot in the game, and it could have been a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, we uh, Andrew, we mentioned uh, you know a few weeks ago. We love we love these types of games, right? We love when the Gators can pull out to you know an early lead because it you know allows opportunity for a lot of these younger players that we just might not be able to see you know uh, in a in another game this season. Uh, I think we saw 71 different Gators play in the game. That's that's a really high number. Um, I don't think the Gators will quite see that many again this year. So um, you know we saw a lot of players. A lot of young guys contribute Uh, 17 different players offensively touch the football. And Andrew, I think we saw, I think we saw a lot of good things from, from, from some younger guys that again are not going to be able to really show what they're capable of in another game this season. Uh, You know, we can hope the Gators can blow out, you know, another team here and there, but you know, it was a game where with a lot of reps for these younger guys. And and, and, and that, that in itself is a step forward, in my opinion, uh, for this football program.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at the numbers. Richardson was eight of ten, two hundred and forty, two touchdowns. They look really good. We expected that to look really good. Um uh, Jalen Kitten came in. Eight of twelve, hundred and fifty two yards with a BB of a strike to Caleb Douglas, where I don't know that if you could have set it in the the route any better. Uh, on on the board or whatever, it could have been thrown any better. Perfect throw and catch uh, there. And Kitna looked good. You know, I I thought Kitna was kind of what I had been told he was, and that's a guy who who understands the offense, um, who understands where to go with the ball, maybe isn't the most athletic, maybe isn't the guy who – um, has the biggest arm strength or whatever, but is a guy that knows where to go with the ball um, and and when to throw the ball. And I, I think that that's exactly what we've seen from him, um, and I liked it. And, you know, I think that has to give the coaching staff a lot of confidence going forward that, okay, you know, if Anthony's helmet comes off or if his, you know, shoes come untied or whatever, that you feel like you can go in with Kitna and run pretty much the whole playbook. Uh, obviously, we'll see when Jack... Miller comes back uh, probably this week, um, you know, how that shakes out. But I, I think it's a lot of positives uh, from the quarterback standpoint in general um, that Kitna was able to come in and do what he was doing. Obviously, it's Eastern Washington, but like I told you yesterday, it's that's what you're supposed to do. You can only do what you're supposed to do against teams like this.
1: I agree. And, I mean, you look at Anthony Richardson, right, and like you said, he did everything, you know, that we expected him to do and probably a little bit more, but he did everything we expected him to do. And then Jalen Kitna got his, you know, first opportunity to take a few snaps, uh, under center. And I don't care what level of competition you're playing. If you can go out and perform like Kitna did in in your first, you know, snaps in a, in, in a college uniform, that's impressive regardless of the competition. Uh, Emory Jones, you know, his first snap under center, he, he must it, he, he fumbled. Um, so I, I think it, I think it just, it says a lot about Kitna and, and, and just, you know, the command and control he had of the offense. I know it was against Eastern Washington um, and, you know, but I, I just think, you know, if you're able to go into a game like that and and don't forget guys, he was somewhat thrown into the fire. I mean, he, you know, I know that he in the back of his mind expected to, to play in the second half, right. To play, you know, after halftime, third, fourth quarter, uh, kind of when the game's out of hand, but he had to go in there when the game was 14 to three, I believe after Richardson, uh, went, you know, tweaked his, his leg. Um, he had to go in there and, and he completed two passes for, I believe, 31 yards. Uh, so he was even put into the game when he was not expecting it. And he performed at a high level. Uh, like I said, I, I, regardless of the competition, um, I think Kitna played great. I thought he commanded the offense. Well, I thought, you know, you talk about that throw to Caleb Douglas, I don't think you could even put it in a better spot. That was, I mean, the the throw had to be perfect. Caleb Douglas did have him beat, but the throw had to be perfect, and it was.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, the um, the the other incompletion to Caleb Douglas where um, the defender knocked it down. I mean, it was it was a pretty good pass. I mean, um, and you know, obviously you would have liked it to be a, a little bit further downfield, but the defender had pretty good coverage there and, and made a good play. It wasn't a bad uh, bad throw, uh, or that bad of a throw, and, um, you know, it wasn't intercepted or anything like that. So, uh, you know, again, I think that when you look at this overall, there's a lot of positives. And I, I'm going to say this. The biggest positive, though, for me was seeing 13 offensive linemen play and 13 offensive linemen get nasty, where, you know, you, you've you seen an offensive line for the first time in a long time that has guys that from from 1 to 13 that can get out there and play nasty physical football. Um, Austin Barber, by the way, their poor guy on Eastern Washington was driven 10 yards, and the whole time Barber's just putting him on skates. Um, Austin's really taken off in my eyes, but, um, you know, you were able to see, um, Cam Waits, um, you were able to see Jake Slaughter, uh, Richie Leonard, uh, Braun played a lot in the game. You were able to see a lot of guys play and, you know, it's big for, it's big for depth. Uh, and, and maybe not even this year. You know, maybe we don't see Richard, uh, Richie Leonard again this year. Maybe we don't see Cam Waits again this year. Uh, but next year you're gonna see him. Uh, you know, and the year after that you're gonna see him. And, and this is big because it's, it's tape. It's, you know, it's stuff on film that they can work on there. It's the experience of, of being out there. It's everything that you, you need. And again, you can only, you can only go through this against scout teams or against the, the the defense. You're on defense so much until you get out there in the swamp on on Saturday or in this case Sunday under the lights and you know with the crowd screaming and everything else and, and have it. And for the first time in a long time, an offensive line that just did not have a drastic drop off from one to thirteen, and I was just incredibly impressed by it.
1: Right, and. You know, to, to make another point there, it was late in the fourth quarter when, you know, Florida was throwing out two to three walk-on running backs in the game and they were clipping 15 yards a pop. Uh, and, and, and that wasn't because they're, you know, superstar athletes or superstar players. That was because the offensive line was getting mean, getting nasty. Uh, so, you know, credit to them, credit to the entire team. Really, they, they, you know, the offense, I thought, you know, the first and second team offense that, they, you know, they pretty much played pretty efficiently all game long, um, and, and and like you said, you know, th- these type of games, they're not necessarily creating depth for this season. It, in my opinion, it's more so, you know, creating depth for next year and the year after that. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the wide receivers that played, those guys haven't made a serious impact this year, and they probably won't. But next year, you're going to see Reynolds, you're going to see Frazier's, you're going to see um, – You know, these guys, you know, Caleb Douglas, you're going to see Jamarcus Weston. You're going to see these guys have a serious impact on this team, uh, and and they're only going to get better via repetition. And so that's exactly what um, Sunday was about.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just – it's it's an opportunity, too, to say, okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, in practice we give – caleb douglas a look or, or or whatever it may be you know maybe you give them another look and you know maybe you you have a play for them later in the season or whatever it is but it's just big it's it's so big to to have games like this and you know i again i, I know that you know a lot of people don't like the cupcake games and and everything else and i i get it i i do i get it i i'm 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 one of those who, I, hey, I love seeing the the Utah game. The, the Utah game's fun. Um, I, I love those, but I think for from a program in general, you need at least one of these games that you can relax a little bit, get a lot of guys in there to play. And then, if you dominate, you've got to be able to dominate these games. You I know, mean, you can't have a a situation where you're like Texas A and M and you and you lose to to App State or or whatever, or a situation like last year with Florida where they had Sanford and they you know almost lose. They have to battle. Um, you, you can't have that happen. But um, it's just it's big. But for me, the the biggest thing was just seeing the 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 level that it was not a huge drop-off, and, and that's a credit to this coaching staff, and that's a credit to what the future is going to be uh, for this program going forward. It's just, it, it's a lot of positives, and, you know, obviously you can't read too much into it, but for me, the positives definitely outweigh um, the negatives in this game, and uh, you, you look at just, uh, you know, the defense. And, I, you know, again, I know the defense had some struggles early on. They buckled down, uh, you know, later in the game. But I think we were able to see some guys like Dewan Black play, uh, like uh, Corey Collier play. Uh, you know, we were able to see several guys get some playing time that maybe haven't. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we could see more of that in later in the season if guys continue to struggle. You know, if uh, Vintrell Miller, you know, has to come out again in the game. You know, maybe, maybe DeWan Black's now ready to go in the game and can give you that flexibility or, or, or whatever. I'm just saying, games like this matter uh, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, while we never expect, you know, it to pay off, injuries happen. They just do. Right.
1: And you know you mentioned the defense. Well, this is a defense, you know, last year that gave up 52 points to Stanford like you mentioned. Uh and you know you know at times on Sunday, you know, this Gator defense they did get pushed around, you know, they they gave up over 400 offense or yeah, 400 yards. But I think the most important thing is that they got stops ultimately when they needed to. Um this is a team, this is a defense that did not lay down yesterday. I mean, they the first team only gave up 3 points so although they although they you know although they got beat around and, and pushed around a little bit at times, they made stops when they needed to, and I think that's 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 the difference when you're looking at this defense from last year to this season is that they didn't lay down they didn't just give up and just give up chunk plays after chunk plays after chunk plays, yeah, they gave up first downs, they gave up some yards, but they got stops ultimately when they needed to,
0: yeah, and I mean you know even even from the get go they they were still rotating a lot of guys, you know for instance. You know, Jalen Hill got his uh, got his first start in you know well over a year um, in the game, and and he had some good plays, and he had some plays that you know showed that he had been out for a while. So uh, you know that was good to see uh, him get out there as well. Uh, I thought Shamar played really well. I thought uh, Scooby had some good plays in the game. Um, I thought you know Chris McClellan continues to take those those steps of, of becoming a real dominant defensive lineman um, that we all kind of think he can be. He was pushing guys around uh, for the majority of the game there. Um, but then we were able to see Derek Wingo get in the game. We were able to see Dewan Black get in the game there. Um, and, you know, Kimber had some uh, plays in the game. Devin Moore got a lot of play time in the game. Uh, Avery Helm still got to play a lot. Uh, and then, you know, at the uh, safety spot when um, with Trey Dean now, Kamari got to start in the game, and you've you seen a lot of Donovan McMillan and uh, several other guys in the game. So uh, hopefully, you know, sometimes the, the, the best thing to to help you get better as a team is to have guys that are ready to take your spot. And if you're scared that you're going to lose your spot, that helps you step up a lot more than – Sometimes in just bad play, uh, you know it shouldn't, but it, it's human nature. It just is. So, uh, you know maybe Kamari and uh, Donovan McMillan and those guys can put some pressure on uh Trey Dean and, and help him get better.
1: Yeah, you were you were uh, naming a bunch of players. One player that I wanted to bring up was Miguel Mitchell. How about his How about Ooh. his performance? I mean, it's you talk, you day. talk, yeah, you talk about a guy that that's coming for a starting spot him i mean he was all over the place but like again i know it was eastern washington but let me tell you something about eastern washington they were they have been in the past five years a top five offense in the FCS. so you know this is a this is an offense that's that's going to be better than than some of the other lower tier you know power five offenses that we see and you know i think you saw that their quarterback was was a good player um but man miguel mitchell was all over the place uh, great performance by him another player that had his by far, in my opinion, his best performance of the year was Rashad Torrance. Um, he led the team with ten tackles. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was outstanding all game long. He made open field tackles, um, so you know, definitely a step up for him there. And you know, overall, I think you know, again, rotating a lot of players in on defense, and it was early in the game too. I don't know if you guys noticed, but you know, Patrick Tony wasn't just rotating these players in, you know, third fourth quarter when the game was you know 40 points out of hand Miguel Mitchell Miguel Mitchell and Lloyd Summerall were in the game on the second defensive series of the game so I mean they were they were rotating players that have not played a ton this year in early and often in this game right
0: well and I I think the biggest thing with Miguel Mitchell is this and and that is he's still a guy that's you know learning the position um a, a ton he didn't play you know he's not Played safety, uh, you know, his entire football career. Um, it's a guy that you know everyone has uh, a lot of praise for in, in Bama, and a lot of people were. Just absolutely shocked he wasn't highly recruited uh, more than he was. Uh, a guy though that is it, just a, a he's a football player, and you know I, that's the best compliment you can give somebody. It's, he's just a football player, and that's just what he is. He's a he's a really good you know hardworking football player who makes the plays and you know understands the position um, that you know that the safety spot is. And I, I think you know when you look at the game uh, when you kind of go back and you look at the game a little bit more, you see, um, you know, the, the fumble he was right there, you know, to make the play there. When you when you see the uh, a couple pass deflections, he was right there, there, so in the play. so you know, again, you know, maybe he doesn't start, you know, maybe he doesn't play very much the rest of the year, but guess what? You've got two seniors on this football team at safety that are gone after this year. So you're going to need somebody to step up next year, and, uh, you know, hopefully that's a guy like Miguel Mitchell who's, uh, who had a good day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the safety – You know group you know you know as a whole there's you know three to four to five players there that you know could seriously make a big impact down the road for the Gators you know like you said two veteran players in the group right now you know likely going to move on from the program here soon so you know safety has been an issue let's you know let's not even let's not fake it safety the safety group has been an issue for the Gators over the last I don't know how many years um it it, it it to me it's been the number one issue, and you know it's something that I'm looking forward to seeing improvement and growth on, and I think we're going to see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you can make the argument that Mitchell Mitchell and Kamari uh, Wilson played two of the best safety balls that we've seen in a long time. Right, um, I agree. And, you know, those, those are those are good players. Um, you know, and I I really was impressed by that. Uh, you know, I, again, I thought that uh, Miguel just. He just was around the football um, a lot. You know, you were able to see Jamari uh, Lyons play a little bit, thought he looked good at times. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I'm trying to go through here. Think of all the guys that played that I thought looked good. Um, again, I thought Scooby. I did. I really did. I thought Scooby uh, had a really good game overall. Um I, I, I'll I be honest with you, though. The guy I'm most excited about, man, is Chris McClellan. That guy's just, he's a he's a good football player. He is a really good football player, a strong football player, a guy who, he, he's a force. I mean, he, he's pushing people around. Uh, he might not make the play every time, but he he's disrupting plays.
1: Yeah, Andrew, I texted you in the game, and I said, I know Chris missed the tackle, but he's a damn good player.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what did you make of uh Jane Hill's play?
1: I I, I mean, I thought, you know, obviously right off the rip, he, he, he missed the open field tackle, but I mean, what, what can you expect from the guy? You know, he hasn't played football, you know, in a football game in like two years uh, since 2020. So, but I tell you what, I thought that, I thought that he played with confidence and, and, you know, I thought he tackled pretty well at times. I know he missed the tackle on, on the opening uh, opening drive there, but, that, that open field tackle on, on the fourth and one was a crucial stop in the game. You know, at that point, it was still, you know, kind of close. And, and, and we really needed to stop there on the fourth and one. And he came out with a, with a great open field tackle. Yeah, I thought at times he was, you know, kind of lackluster. But like I said, I mean, I don't know what, what else we can expect from the guy. He hasn't played in, in, you know, since 2020. So I thought he looked good at times. I thought he showed flashes. I'm excited to see him grow as a player.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I thought he uh, showed some flashes, and you know, he's shaking at Rostov, and uh, you know, Florida needs another corner to step up, Um, and that's just is what it is. They need another corner to step up. Um, A guy that you know, had the face mask penalty, Jack Tyburn, and listen, I I know the face mask penalty was was bad, but uh, he's a hard-nosed football player, too. He's got to knock your head off, and has no problem being physical and being nasty. Uh, again, I I, I like I, I like that play from him. Um, I don't know, you know, if he's going to be a great player or just a you know contributor or or, or what. Um, you know, I, I thought he was up and down, but I just love the physicality from him. Um, loved how he was, you know, getting his, uh, getting his nose in there and, uh, you know, isn't afraid to smack you a couple times. And, you know, obviously that's been lacking a little bit on special teams, uh, especially on uh, the return game and, you know, really on kickoff. Uh, so I, I liked it. That's a guy that I think, you know, you could see, uh, you know, get some more PT on special teams because when you see a guy like that playing physical and hard nose, coaches notice that, and they're, they're going to find a spot for it.
1: I agree, and, and you mentioned, you know, we need a little bit more of that play on special teams, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I've been getting asked a lot of questions about uh, special teams, and I'm sure you have as well, Andrew. Andrew, do you think during the off season? I mean, obviously that that Napier and, and the staff they need to address right the special teams issues um, that have gone on this season. But do you think that there's a chance that they hire a special teams coordinator?
0: Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, they have you know the guy who's the director of that and you know everything else. Uh, it, it's a tough spot because. You know, obviously, you know, now with the 10 coaches, you, you you have that, but, you know, the the focus that Billy Napier has on the offensive line and, and wanting the two offensive line coaches there, that kind of, you know, well, then kind of, it does, it takes away from having it, um, you know, I, I say this, and, and, and I mean, obviously, I, I, special teams is big. It's special for a reason. And I, I think that, you know, you, you've you got to put the time into it. And, you know, having a special teams coach isn't a bad thing. But I also think that, you know, having, you know, that person isn't necessarily a must. You know, I, I always say this, and, and I say, and, you know, I think a lot of coaches will agree with me when I say this, but special teams is all about wanting it wanting to show how good you can be wanting to show that you can be on the field. And, you know, I think that's a buy-in factor that, you know, this staff is still looking for with this team in some places and, you know, having those guys do that. So I'm not, I'm not one of those that say absolutely he needs to. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't need to either. I'm just saying that I don't think it's a a must or a priority. Yeah. I'm,
1: it's, it's an extremely difficult situation to kind of break down. But, you know, when you look at it like this, it, it's kind of a fine line between, you know, is it enough? Are the Gators receiving enough coaching in that aspect? You know, because there is not a special teams coordinator. Um, and, and a lot of teams in college football do have one, uh, but the Gators do not. And, and, you know, but then you look at it, you know, maybe are the Gators, do they not have enough talent back there, which I think is a possibility as well. Do they not practice it enough in practice? I think it could be a combination of all three of those things, uh, not enough coaching, maybe not running it enough in practice, and just not having the talent back there um, to really make things happen. Because you look, I mean, you mentioned special teams being important, and I, and I just, I could not agree more because you know, when you look at teams across the country, Kentucky, for example, their offense has been subpar this year at best they're they've been in games because of their special teams uh and and so i think when you look at it like that i i i, I want to see more explosive plays um but th- you know i've kind of thrown in the towel for this year i think this is something that's going to be addressed in the off season, and uh and, and we'll see where they go from there
0: yeah i mean i don't know that they have a particular player on on the roster yet that's an elite um uh, returner um i you know i, I- I'm not I'm I'm just I, I don't think that Xavier Henderson's that guy. Um right. I, I said that last year. I, I don't I don't think so. That's just that's just my opinion. So, you know, if, if you think so, hey, good. Congratulations, maybe I'm wrong. I just I haven't seen enough uh from Xavier Henderson in his career to say, Okay, he's good enough to be a proper turner. Just just yeah. have Uh um, I just Good
1: so I just think I you know the only thing that I can think of is that, is that this staff just doesn't trust another player to not turn the ball over, which, you know, if that's the case, if that's the reasoning for throwing Henderson out there, then that's completely fine with me because the last thing you want is fumbles on kickoff returns. I mean, right. that's like, you cannot give the opposing team a starting drive at the 20, 25 yard line. That just cannot happen. So if that's the case, if you're worried about, you know, muffing punts and, and fumbling on kickoffs, then that's perfectly fine by me. It, you know, if you don't trust another player to do it, then then throw Henderson out there because I know he muffed the punt last week, but he's been good as far as you know, not turning the ball over for the most part. Um, yeah. So so it, it, if that's the staff's reason, which I do believe that that is the reason, then then that's perfectly that's perfectly fine with me. I, I I don't want I you know as bad as special teams has been this year, we haven't turned the ball over yet. Um. So that's that's a plus. You know that you know it. Take that with a grain of salt, but that's that, that's a plus.
0: Well, and I think, too, and, and this is just in general, and that is with the new rules, it's harder to be a great special teams, um, you know, simply because you can't have the wedge blocks. You, you know, you, the, the blindside blocks are now illegal. You know, some of the things that you were able to get away with in the past are, are, are gone. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, Nick, is – The penalties, and you know, I don't know that you know having a special teams coach, uh, you know, dedicated to that would really fix you know the penalties. I, I think that that's a discipline issue of you know wanting to and you know understanding. So, for me, that's the concern more so than anything. Uh, you know, I think overall punt's been pretty good. Um, I think overall uh, kickoff has been, you know, pretty good. Again, kickoff nowadays isn't as, as big because 90% of kickoffs are touchbacks. You know, you, you look at uh, Eastern Washington yesterday, uh, they had, you know, they, they caught the ball on the three-yard line they, they fair caught it so they get the ball, you know, on the uh, on the 25. You know, that used to not have. Happen, but because of the safeties and not, you know, not our safety of the players and not wanting guys to get injured, they do that now. So I think, in a way, that kind of is why you don't see it. Um, just simply because some of the of the aspects of special teams has been taken away because of the safety. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I, I personally like it, but um, I, I mean, personally love the special teams play. Um, but I get it. I mean, special teams is a dangerous dangerous uh thing and you know, a play or a situation where a lot of players do get hurt.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean, I wonder if you agree with me here Andrew. I think special teams, you know, at least this year for the Gators, it's an indicator of of a lack of depth and just overall talent.
0: In a lot of ways, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. I
1: you have a bunch of players that just haven't played a lot of football, uh, on that, you know, kickoff return team. And, and, and I think it's showing, um, you know, I I hope the Gators take a step forward in this direction this season. I just, I think ultimately this is something that Napier, uh, is going to have to just, you know, address after the season.
0: Well, and I think the biggest thing is this, man, from, from knowing Billy and, um, you know, following him throughout his career, but um, also knowing several people who know him really well, and that is he is a guy who is always, always looking to fix his program and as a guy who's always kind of checking and, you know, uh, making sure that things are going right. And the moment he thinks that something's not right, he's going to address it. So if he feels it's something that he can address and get better at, one hundred percent. I expect it to be addressed. Um, you know, I, I, again, you're at a tough spot. You know, in a program because you know, I, I, again, he he was. Tr- you're, you're trying now to to get in as quick as you can. You got to get a staff together for the portal, that kind of stuff, and you're still also trying to still figure out, you know, what you have talent wise and everything else. So it's 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 always different. You 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 have to. Um, improve every year and there's always going to be something from year one that you want to fix and change and maybe even be a coach or two that you know maybe you thought was going to be really good that's not not that i think so i think he has a really good coaching staff but there's always things that you look back and say okay i could have done that differently and from knowing billy he's a guy who will he'll fix it um Again, I I don't know that I say that he absolutely needs a special teams coordinator. Um, maybe just more of a focus on special teams.
1: You know, and I, you mentioned you know kind of making some changes. I think we saw a subtle change. You know, even even on Sunday, uh, we, we we all saw Trace Mac do the kickoffs, who mm-hmm. has yet to play this year. Uh, and and this is something that I I, I thought was going to be the case um, at the beginning of the season. You know, Napier mentioned multiple times. That you know there's a possibility they both play, and we hadn't seen it up until last week, but we saw Smack kick off, and he did you know he did well he did what he was supposed to do and and, and I think that that's you know there was there was some talk on on Mihalik and his kickoffs you know this season, he was kind of scaring me a little bit andrew putting it putting it way off to the left corner of the end zone, and it ended up biting him right, it ended up uh he ended up kicking it out of bounds one time um And, you know, I don't know if that was, you know, by design or if that's just his tendency for kicking. I I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know that Smack came in and kicked the ball well. Um, So, you know, know, it's a very, very, very small change and and one that maybe isn't as impactful as some other ones might be. But, I mean, I I, I think it shows that Napier is at least looking into the situation.
0: Well, yeah, and I think the biggest thing for Mahalik was, he didn't have the leg to, to necessarily, you know, always kick it, you know, 10 yards deep into the end zone. Right. So he would kick it, you know, I try to angle it there to to kick it to where it was going out of bounds as soon as it got into the end zone. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, an inch game there where, you know, if you mishit it a little bit there, then, you know, it's going out of bounds. And, you know, the opposing team's getting the ball on the 40-yard line. If you kick it, you know, perfect, then they get it on the 25-yard line. So, obviously, you know, perfect world. Trace Smack's your guy. He's, you know, a guy that, you know, was recruited and, you know, given a scholarship for that reason. So, you hope that, you know, he can get back. And, you know, he was battling a little bit of an injury and get going. Going there and uh, again you know it's it's things that can be approved on um, I, I think the biggest thing for me Nick is it's things that are big but small you know it's it, we're not talking about a team who's you know, as undisciplined as they have been in the past. We're not talking about a team that's not playing hard. You know, we're talking about some little things that are, you know, more so technical um, that can be fixed there. And, you know, for me, that's a lot more important than talking about a team that isn't physical or a team that's, you know, giving up and not playing hard. So, uh Again, all things are positive. I've said it before, and I'll say it again: the future is bright for the Florida Gators under Billy Napier. Uh, Billy Napier is a heck of a football coach um, and a guy who's going to win a lot of football games at the University of Florida. And, in my opinion, some championships.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, very pleased with what what Napier and this staff has done. You know, just as far as shaping the culture of this program to this point in the season a lot of football left this season guys a lot of football I know there's a lot of predictions flying around uh left and right but you know a ton of football left to play a lot a lot, lot more SEC games to play some good teams to, the Gators still have to face um so let's just see how it plays out yeah uh
0: you know I I said this and and I, I think this is the case and um you know the rest of October will kind of decide the the season for Florida um, you know, you, you look at uh, Missouri coming up this week uh, for homecoming. It's going to be a good crowd. Then you have LSU coming in at 7 o'clock for a night game the fall week. LSU's always a good game. And then you have Georgia in the cocktail party. So, um, you know, back-to-back uh, back back SEC games. And, uh, you know, I think that that's going to decide whether the Gators are 9-3 uh, are and three football team or 8-4 football team or are, are worse. And uh, you know, obviously, you know, November's not easy. You gotta go to A and M, even though I think A and M's not very good. Um, you got Carolina and you got Florida State. Um, those are three games that are that are tough games that are gonna be, you know, uh, games you have to play well and uh, have the right mindset with, but I think these next three games are the most pivotal games for this team going forward and will kind of define how we look back at this season and say, uh, was this season, a uh, you know, a, a very successful one or did it have some disappointments? Uh, you know, again, Anthony Richardson playing good ball. You got these games at home. Um, you need to take care of business.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you could argue the next two games are, are, Extremely important for the Gator season, right? You know, you got, you know, you got a game against Missouri, homecoming game. Like you said, is going to be a good environment. Um, Gators, Gators have to find a way to win that game. They're, they're right now they're ten and a half point favorites, um, but, but Mizzou, you know, it's, it's not a team that you can sleep on, right? Georgia, we, 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 be Georgia. we all, yeah, we all saw, we all saw what happened with the Georgia Missouri game. And let me tell you this. A good coaching staff from Missouri wins that football game, and it's not debatable. A good oh, and here's the thing.
0: Florida doesn't – Florida has historically not played well against Missouri. Right. So, you know, I think Florida will come into this game understanding – that they cannot take this game lightly. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how Georgia, re- I mean, Georgia, Missouri responds from, from that game. Uh, you know, that was a emotional game for them as well. Um, they got to make that long trip back. You know, we always talk about it for Florida. They got to make that long trip to Missouri. Well, now Missouri has to make that long trip uh, over to Gainesville. And, um, you know, Florida is on a short week. Um, You know, obviously, Billy Napier and the staff started working a little bit on Missouri on Thursday of last week, uh, you know, when they were off for the hurricane, um, but you're on a shorter week. You know, the team gets off on Monday, and instead of, you know, starting day two of preparations on Tuesday, it'll be their first practice of preparation um, for Missouri. So a little bit shorter of a week, but, um, you know, as Napier said, you know, they're accustomed to it as a staff because they did it a lot at Lafayette. So uh got to adjust and get ready for a good SEC team who, you know, had a tough loss. And, uh, again, your goals of, of what you want to accomplish are still there. You just have to go take care of business and, and win football games and, um, and play hard. I think that's the biggest thing is Anthony Richardson and those guys playing hard and having the fun.
1: Right. I mean – you know, we'll get into you know, the Missouri breakdown on our next podcast and you know, entering the entering the game. But the the key to that game is gonna be at the line of scrimmage. I mean you watch Missouri just you watch Missouri, let's be honest, hang with Georgia on both sides of the football. Uh so this is not a team they that they do not like to throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a team that the Gators are gonna to have to they're gonna to have to win the game at the line of scrimmage on both sides. Uh it's as simple as that.
0: And for the first time in a long time I think Florida can do that. You know, I think Florida physically physically on the offensive line with Stapleton and Sell I think that they have these guys going right in the right direction there, and, and they can. I think they can win a line of scrimmage football game, um, and that's a big thing. You know, in the past, Florida has not been able to win line of scrimmage football games. They're very soft up front. Uh, they're very slow up front. Uh, this is a team now that's pretty physical up front, and the team that's uh, willing to get after it up front. So, uh, overall, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back on Friday, Nick, and we'll uh, we'll get into it, uh, talk a little bit um, at Missouri, Florida, and uh, preview that game, make some predictions and some predictions around the country. So uh, if you don't have anything, we'll get out of here.
1: Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Yeah, just appreciate it always coming on this podcast. A lot of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check us out on GatorCountry.com, on the the web, and on Twitter, as we'll be having lots of coverage. Uh, Should be a good recruiting weekend as well. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Friday to uh, preview Gators and Tigers in the swamp for homecoming.